It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Now number one for podcasting. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, now featuring Happy Mondays with two-for-one Happy CBD Cocktails, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a championship Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Thanks for tuning in here this morning. What a week it promises to be. Masters. Uh, Masters week, of course, opening week in Major League Baseball and a championship and nets will be cut down tonight. Uh, BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this toward the bottom of the hour. Scott Docterman will join us. We will catch up on all things Iowa with Doc. At 1045, Bob Herrig from ESPN.com, longtime golf writer for ESPN.com. He's got a book out and he's going to join us to talk about the book Tiger and Phil inside that rivalry and what it means to the game of golf. And Bob Herrick will join us about uh, 1045 books on sale, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, all, well, all your favorite book stores or online uh, sites for purchasing books. But uh, Bob Herrick will be here at uh, 1045. Off to New Orleans, we will go at 1145. Rob Doster, Field of 68, will join us at 1105. And then we'll catch up with Nick Oson on Iowa State. They had their first of three open to the public practices. This one at Ames High School this past weekend. We'll pick Nick's brain on what he saw, get the intel uh, on uh, Campbell as he put his team through the paces at about 11. 25 before Trent's play of the day. I'm assuming he'll have a lot to do with the natty that goes tonight. The first game of the semifinals stunk. The second game was everything we hoped it would be. And maybe a little bit more. I did not anticipate it playing out in that fashion, but you had that thing covered. You had Carolina, you had I did. Kansas, you're in good shape. You just had money to your bankroll over there. I, uh, it was, well, look, I was certainly due uh, because this has been not, good, not a good tournament for me, but as like a lot of other folks out there. But uh, And I like North Carolina tonight. You do? I think UNC gets them. I do. Wow. I shopped on the money line as soon as it came out, thinking I'm going to do the smart thing because there's no way this thing's going to stay at a plus buck fifty. So I jumped on right away and got up on yesterday morning to see it at a buck sixty three, a buck fifty five. So it's going the other way. Uh-huh. Uh, anyways, we'll talk more about that game. Obviously, is now um, oh, look at as, as you said, Trent. It, maybe it was more than uh, we expected. The Duke North Carolina game. What what a, what a phenomenal sporting event! It really was. It was every 
thing that you'd anticipate with the pomp and circumstance. Of course, Matt Norlander, our buddy from CBS, <laughs> he became a big part of it once again, as he did what five, six years ago was the first time. See, I don't remember the first time, but it was front and center. Guster is for lovers. You're thinking... I had no idea it's a band. Right. Did, have you heard of them? Uh, I've never heard of them outside of Norlander talking about this in the past. Okay. When it first popped up, it was a Final Four also. And he said the reason that he did it. It's not for notoriety. He doesn't. He's not buddies with the band or anything like that, though he is going to play with them now. Oh, is he? Yeah, he is a musician, <laughs> and he's also going to be able to play at some concert, he said. He was very instrumental in their uh, oh, weekend. Yeah. But he said the reason for it is Final Four years ago, I think like 2014, 15, something like that. He was going and somebody was picking up all their stuff, another media member back in the media workroom. And the guy picked up his his laptop. Purposely or accidentally? Accidentally, because there were three of them. They were Uh, all air pros and Mm -hmm. they all looked the same. So he said, well, i got to do something about this. So what does he do? is for lovers. He put a sticker on there that everybody would know that's his. And that's where it kind of came well, to fruition. And then during the uh, during the game, he said, I'm going to take the sticker off. Yes. But that he didn't need to get that far because I guess CBS or the NCAA was very uh, cognizant of what was going on. And, and Guster was for lover was trending at the right below the game itself. <laughs> uh, so they stuck a monitor in front of him. So a lady comes over from the NCAA and asks him. He uh, relayed this story on his podcast. I listened to it this morning coming in. And he said that lady comes over says, I understand. Like, he obviously was following along on Twitter and saw it was becoming a big story. And, and like I said, this happened years ago. There was another one of these Final Fours, but not like this. Because they're going to K every 30 seconds. Right. And oh, by the way, very well-respected media member, because look where they parked them. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, it's pretty good when you yeah. work for CBS. You can get pretty good seats yeah. for these Final Four championship games. But they came up, lady comes up wearing a red dress. There's a couple of pictures of that, too, saying what, what's happening here. And normally under apparently asked... Hey, can't you just move K's, you know, bench three feet to the left or three feet to the right? <laughs> no, no, they're not going to ask Mike Krzyzewski and possibly his final game, which turned out to be, mm-hmm. to move his stool three feet either way. So instead, he said there was a monitor. All he has to do is kind of slide it over a little bit. He did that, and he was good to go the rest of the way. So we'll see if we see Norlander again tonight. Oh, we'll see him, but I'm guessing that that will be covered up. Yeah, probably have that monitor in front from the get-go. Make sure that it doesn't yeah. uh, take away from things. When did he join us? Last Tuesday, right? Before yeah, he yep. flew to New Orleans. Uh, good stuff. Guster is for lovers. Anyways, uh, the games themselves, they certainly lived up to it. Let's go in order, though. Okay. The Kansas Philadelphia game, it was, um, what was it, 10-zip right off the yeah. bat? Look, um, they couldn't miss. Agbaji was unbelievable in the basketball game. You know who I thought, I mean, we know, you see McCormick, what he's doing. And mm-hmm. he was, I mean, he was in firm control of that game in the paint. And how often did we talk about him this year? Boy, if that guy could just, just figure it out. Just gets it going, right? Yeah. And he figured it out and it was unstoppable. I thought Wilson's role in that game was, was maybe mm-hmm. underrated. You know, you look at the box score and the guy's got a double-double. But rebounding, he was... Uh, um, he was an animal under the boards. He really was. He was terrific and chipped in with 11 points. Here's the thing. Remy Martin, he's stunk. He's stunk. He's not going to have another night where he just goes, what do you have, three points? One, one of five. One of five from the floor. Um, so so even if Abaji cools off, and you have to assume that he will, if Remy Martin picks up that slack perhaps, Lightfoot didn't play a lot of minutes, but there was one sequence in the basketball game on the offensive end of the floor that he time after time after mm-hmm. time he's getting his hand on the ball, keeping him alive. They ultimately scored. But look, Villanova just didn't have any answer for, for McCormick. 
uh, Wilson and those guys. Uh, Slater and Samuels, Slater tried. Um, Gillespie give what what a way to go out. I mean, he left. They hate to say the cliche, but he did. He left yeah. it all out there, uh, and he doesn't need to hang his head. Uh, but Kansas was the better team, and it, they uh, jumped on him early and really never gave him a chance. Gillespie hit a couple of shots. He didn't have an make assist. it close. Yeah, didn't have an assist. Is that right? Goose egg. In assists oh, and didn't realize that. I mean, if you would have said before the game, McCormick's going to score twenty five, Kansas is going to hit thirteen threes. It's, it's just, over. Yeah, how much did they win? Yeah, uh, yeah. was it a dozen? Was it twenty? Right. Was it twenty five? Is one one of those final four blowouts we've seen in the past? In fact, last time Villanova and Kansas played mm-hmm. it was the other way when Villanova throttled Kansas. Everything seemingly went their way. They played certainly their best game of the year, Trent. They've played. I think their best 60 minutes in a row because when you go back to right. the Miami game, the final 20 minutes there, combined with this 40, do they have another 40 in them? That's the question you have to ask yourself as you're getting ready to hit place bet. Right. <laughs> and I don't think they've got another 40 perfect minutes in them. I don't. I don't think they have to play perfect, though. And with Baycock banged up, I have concerns about that. And a 20 rebounds, Trent. And just the way that that guard court can play. You know, who's going to get the assignment? Leaky Black, who's he going to be guarding? We've seen what a great mm-hmm. defender he has been. Mm-hmm. We'll break the game down a little bit more. But Kansas, yeah. I think it's a fair question, though. Can they play as good as we've seen, really, those 40 minutes? Second half against uh, mm-hmm. in the Elite Eight game, and then what we saw in the first half there. Probably not. I don't think it's going to take that kind of effort to beat Carolina. We'll get to that momentarily. Yeah, as far as the, uh, I mean, Brown was okay, not great in the game. Harris kind of had a quiet game for him. Lightfoot was good. Again, the guy, if you're if you're if you're on Kansas' side, or you're going to you know lay the points in this one, even if Abaji slows down a little bit. And again, he was six out of seven from behind three and six for six at one time. I mean, he hadn't missed. Uh, you, you have to think that that's going to cool off a little bit. But then, if that's the case, does Remy Martin's game pick up? He was not good. And you figure he's going to be good. Yeah, I, I'm assuming so, because he's been a, one of the uh, talking points in this tournament for that Jayhawk team. Another question that I continue to ponder is the narrative, what's going to happen, especially if Kansas wins, but one way or the other. They're going to have major sanctions yeah, it's that, are, that are going to be handed yeah. down. And, and what that means for, we very well could have a national champion that's not going to be able to defend their crown next mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. in the tournament because they're not going to be eligible to play in the tournament. Bill Self, with the win, goes to rarefied air as a two-time yep. champion. Mm-hmm. And he said it himself. We are, we've had Kansas teams here that, that you would think would have produced more than one national champion. Absolutely. So the pressure's on him a little bit because I agree, Trent. It's coming. And it's not just Bill Self. Well, he's going to get... There's talk of him being suspended for the year. Mm-hmm. For the year. So you're going to have a defending national champion, not in the NCAA tournament, a coach not with the team for a full season? Yeah, That's a terrible, terrible look for the NCAA. And there's right now there's litigation out there. There is uh, both sides of the house are talking about putting together with the NCAA. Both sides of the house. You mean it's in Washington? Yes. And making it. I knew, though, I knew the football investigation in the comment. So, so, oh, you're kidding me. This is about how long it takes the NCAA. Oh, I see. Okay. When the notice you don't want to get off come. the pot. Is that what right. it's about? Okay, then I agree with them. <laughs> and I think the number is they need to have basically their final decision after the notice of allegations are done within eight, maybe it was nine months. Eight That's or nine not months, asking though. too much. It really isn't. No. And this had to get to Washington? This is who's going to... Uh, right. Be the impetus besides uh, behind speeding this up? Well, we've seen the NCAA, how much they struggle with things, and they continue to kick the can down the road with NIL, and now here it is, the Wild Wild West, because yeah. they wouldn't do anything. Trent, I didn't know this, but I'm, I'm, I'm 
for once on the politician's side about getting involved in this. Yeah, m- make it happen because uh-huh. the NCAA can't do it on their own. Right, we, or won't. Yeah, they just they refuse. So, well, let's push them a little bit. And it's coupled with, of course, what happened with the FBI investigation. So much other. There's so mm-hmm. many parameters that go into it. But ultimately, that is something that is being pushed. And, yeah, it has both sides. Both the Republicans Good. and the Democrats are behind this. So if that's something that the NCAA needs for the nudge, will ultimately become an actual bill. We'll see. But maybe this is enough to push the – because it's asinine. We see Oklahoma State. They're not eligible this year. They got their notice of allegations after Kansas. Mm-hmm. And yet Kansas is playing for a national championship right. tonight. Right. And his favorite to win. <laughs> right. Favorite to win. This time, uh, what, uh, 12 hours from now? Well, it won't be. Well, about 11 o'clock we should be because it's 8.20 is tip-off. 8.20, which I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, by the because you, get, kids will be in bed. I can get the kids to bed a yeah. little early. We'll head up at 7.30, get the bath done, and yeah. everybody in bed by, oh, hopefully 8.15 Ball is so. in the air and, yes. uh, and, and the way we go. Uh, so let's get to the late game, and it was everything we had hoped it would be. Seldom do these things uh, live up to the uh, heavy expectations that comes in advance of this game, and it did. Every single minute of it, it was terrific. It was back and forth. It's Duke taking the lead. It's North Carolina roaring back. It's questionable calls down the stretch. Um, should there have been continuation on the foul in the in the paint late in the game? I didn't think that there no. should be. The, this isn't the NBA. No, I'm with you. I thought it was the right call, uh, but um, Duke fans didn't uh, see it that way. Uh, Manic was really quiet until he got going, and when he got going, those three were just magnificent and so huge. Bayco, um, Baycott was, I mean, 21 rebounds in the game. He didn't shoot particularly well, but my good God, he was just... And then Love, mm-hmm. who was the difference in the game? Or would you... Who's the MVP of that game for, 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 for UNC? I think it's Caleb Love. I think so too. And the way that he controlled the game at times, whenever Duke got just that little glimmer of a breathing room and made a two possession game there'd be Caleb Love yeah give me the ball yep get out of the way I'm gonna get to the paint I'm gonna make a shot he was so so good at controlling really controlling that game throughout I thought he was the most important player out there at Bakeout was outstanding with the rebounds and he was just a monster in there like I said earlier I'm a little concerned what that injury is going to be today we'll see about that and of course there'll be a ton of lead up and see how ready he's going to be for tonight. But what do you say after the game? They have to cut my leg off. That's what he said. They, he had a media veil yesterday. He said the same thing. And um, uh, Davis said the same thing, that he's, go- he's going to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to play. But yeah, it looked serious at the time when he left the court, right? And then he comes back and um, you're thinking, oh my God, he's going to get back in there. And he certainly did. And they needed him before he fouled out. Leaky Black, does he get a baji? Probably. Probably. He is so good. He is yeah, so he long. Is. And he hit that three at the beginning of the game. So we were out at Smash Park. Myself, AD, Biff Hammer was out there. Oh, uh, yes, was he good? Got to talk to Todd Kirk from Action Fanatics. Yep. So got to talk to a lot of people out there. Tyler, uh, Nathan Fisher were also out there from, from the conglomerate here. And it was uh, fun watching the game. But we had to bet all of our bankroll. We got 100 bucks for this contest we were doing with Bet Rivers. Had to bet it all. And so I bet both games who scores the first bucket. And right before the Duke-Carolina game, I'm going through, I bet Caleb Love, and I bet one other, somebody from Duke, I don't remember who it was, but, and I was looking at Leaky Black, he was plus 1950. Oh my. And I looked at it, and, look, and I'm and like, couldn't eh, pull the trigger. Yeah, it's a waste of $5. You know, that that's 5% of your bankroll <laughs> right. on Leaky Black to have the first buck of the game, but that 1950 was winking at me, of course, didn't do it, 
And what happens? Well, it's slow. It's back and forth. Nobody can hit a shot the first couple of times down. Close to the other one, when Kansas couldn't miss early, this game did struggle to make a shot early. And then Leaky in the corner splashes mm-hmm. it in, and oh, my shoulders just slumped <laughs> yeah. after that one. Yeah. That would have been a big, where, big Where hit. were we at, Smash Park? Smash Park over in West yeah. You've never been there before, I don't huh? think so, no. No, really? I know, I know I haven't. It's pretty new. It's huge. Is it? Was it in a gro- former grocery store? No. This is a, a new build out there okay. in Jordan Creek area. And it is monstrous. They have pickleball courts there. They got an arcade. They got all kinds of fun stuff. Really cool place to watch game. Yeah. And if you want to go, you know, I had a group of friends in this summer. We're all out there playing pickleball and having a couple of beers. It's fun. A little activity along with mm-hmm. it. In fact, one of my friends, uh, him and his wife play in a league out there, a pickleball league. And they, well, that sport's really taken it off. It really has. I've just played a couple of times, but yeah. it's fun. Yeah, get a little activity going. Don't want to have too many beers while you're doing it. Right. And then afterwards, then you can hoist a few. But uh, it was a fun time. Watch the games with AD. Uh, talked to Todd Kirk for a while. And, oh, boy, that guy and his over-unders. He loves the over-under. Does he? Oh, absolutely. And thank goodness for it because as both teams in the Carolina-Duke game were struggling, mm-hmm. I said I got to jump on this live line because there are going to be some points that are going to be scored. And so that helped me out uh, in the contest a little bit. But we'll see. We'll see who wins on that one. And now... I got a little extra money to play with tonight for the national championship. Well, and it's going to be. Uh, I, I think it's got a chance to be really good. Look, mm-hmm. I, I get why Kansas is favored. I like the dog. I think the dogs are barking at certainly at me at this one. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I've been playing favorites and it's not gone mm-hmm. well. You know, I'm a dog player normally. Yep. And too many favorites have gotten me in trouble during this NCAA tournament. I'm on Kansas. That that's at least that was my initial thought, but. You got a chance here. You got what an hour forty five minutes? I think maybe by the end you can talk myself into it. <laughs> well, I hedge because I've got uh, Kansas at twelve to one in a future oh, okay. ticket. So I hedged on North Carolina. I got to save a get put a little have a few bullets uh, for the Masters that comes up this week. Speaking of hedging, I did that last night. I told you before the women's tournament, I had a UConn ticket, uh, one of those boosts. Good thing you did with DraftKings, and so they went from plus three seventy five up to plus five fifty. I think is what it was. And going into the game, I said, this UConn team, they're not beating South Carolina. And it played out in a big-time fashion. That South Carolina team, they are a bunch of studs. Leah Boston, I know people here are so upset about Caitlin Clark mm-hmm. not being National Player of the Year. Slowly it roll. Yeah. The, the best player in the country for the best team in the country. Right. And that is and a she, part of it, she too. She was on display last night. Oh, she was awesome. And then they, they had the shot right at the end of the game. Her, a year ago in their loss, crying in disappointment. She was crying cheers, uh, tears nice. of joy. It was a really, really cool moment. Of course, Holly, it was sold out building too. Yes, Holly Rowe doing the sideline and doing a great job and talking to her about that. It, it was a really great scene. And it's great to see women's basketball. Mm-hmm. It continues to grow. Like you said, it really has. This is in Minneapolis. This wasn't in Bridgeport. Right. This was not. This was not Charlotte. This was. Mm-hmm. For them, a long ways away, they sold out that building. It's, it's great. For the championship at the target. No, and the, the arrow's pointing up, and it's it's growing so fast. You know who's really jealous? Soccer, <laughs> right? Because we continue to hear right. that this is about to take off. No, it's not. No. Well, maybe it is, but but women's basketball's got to jump on you in there in full flight. Uh, ESPN's preseason top twenty-five for next year is already out. It is out. There it came are out. two teams from our state in the top fifteen. Top ten. Top ten. Both of them. Number seven, Iowa. Number eight, Iowa State from really? ESPN.com. So that? we have two preseason top 10 teams going into next year. In the way too way early. Way too early, yeah. 
So I watched uh, a little bit of that last night. I, t- I actually watched the Cubs on marquee. They oh, had you? an 8 o'clock first pitch last night. Nobody was in the lineup. Yeah. Um, it was just a little baseball yeah, to get the just, just, I watched your twins yesterday. Trent, it was awful yesterday. <laughs> it was just an awful day because I'm not into the golf. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just... Um, you need majors. Yes. Um, and certainly will be locked and loaded this week. So I watched, I watched your twins. Uh-huh. Sonny Gray pitched. Um, his final spring training tune-up, he was great. I mean, didn't give up a hit. Saw a lot of swings and misses. There was a lot of swings and misses. He had a bunch of strikeouts. Uh-huh. And Buxton is just powdering the baseball. Yeah. He is locked in. So you know what that means. Well, the yeah. injury's right around mm-hmm. the corner. You just you got to think. Friday, they played basically everybody but Sano, kind of their full lineup. And that was also the start for Archer, as he'll be the mm. number 5 starter for him. He looked pretty good, gave up three runs, but he was around the strike zone, looked solid. But they went Buxton leading off, Correa batting second, Polacco third, and then it was Sanchez in the cleanup spot. I figured they would shift maybe those guys down, but then it was, who do you lead off with? If it's not Buxton... It has to be him. Right. I kind of like Buxton two, Correa three, Polanco four. Maybe you put Polanco at the top of the lineup. Where are you going to put Sano? Six? Eh, eight. He's, he's a second cleanup guy at this point yeah. in his career. He's got to prove it. Though, uh, speaking of betting, I told you right before the show, we were looking at we were looking for the Dodgers win total. Right. And uh, when we did, I came across over at Bet Rivers. They have this prop. Now, who has the most home runs this year? Of course they have that. Most hits and strikeouts and everything else. Who hits the longest home run <laughs> of the season? And Miguel Sano was the favorite at 9-1. to A bunch See, of guys at 10-1. to I'm kind of surprised that that bet is um, able to be placed. It's quantifiable, though. It is? Yeah, it's... Because I look at a, I look at a home run and you, well you look at a home run if you watch baseball you look at a home run you think four hundred feet that thing was five hundred and change right right because it's still going on an on an upward arc as it, as it you know hits the seats so I'm I'm kind of but there surprised. is an official number is so there? it's quantifiable right. MLB puts that out so because of that it's a number that you can bet on and you can't dispute it you can't go right. back I don't think so though some people probably would because we how many times during the summer are we going to come in you see that home run. There was no way that was only 462. Exactly. Yeah. That had to be 525. Exactly. Which, which surprises me that they're going to offer that. Anyways, all right. Scott Dockerman coming up. So glad you had fun. Uh, got to see Biff. Had you met Biff Hammer? That was my first meeting of Biff Hammer. He didn't realize we were on the air. What? <laughs> said, tell me that he didn't realize we did a show no, here? He, uh, he said, so uh, so Trent, uh, how are you part of sports media? Because no, we've been in these didn't. contests. Yeah. And I said, well, I, I have the 10 to noon show on KXN. Oh, really? Yeah, with Ken Miller. What? Oh, Ken's on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Biff. We're on every day. Now, going on three and a half years, 10 to noon, we've been here. Just when you think we're starting to make a little impact right, right. on this station, right. wham, just hitting the face with a pail of cold water. Biff Hammer didn't realize we're on the air. No clue. He's on when he does his Bet <laughs> with, Rivers with contest. And Andy, yeah. yeah. An hour after we wrap up. No clue. Where does he live? A rock? Under it? I have no idea. Wow. Anyways, well, that's something I didn't know that. Uh, You also had an outing Saturday, and you actually went. I was shocked when I saw the picture. (laughs) You made a tell to it on Saturday. I did. I was at uh, Spectators. Uh huh. Now, how? How? What point in the afternoon were you thinking away? How am I going to beg out of this? On my way there. On your way there. Okay. On my way there. And flat tire excuse. No, no. So I made it to halftime Uh of the first game. Yeah. And um, so. I was at Spectators, and they had a problem with their TVs. Oh, no. They couldn't. Whatever was on the TVs was on the TVs. They couldn't change them. 
So the behind the bar, and it's a pretty big place. Have you ever been there? Yeah. And by the way, when I left at halftime, there had to be 40 people waiting to get in. Oh, yeah. Mobbed. Um, So, yeah, there was Jenny Motes and Tony Itzeni and Baseball Benny uh, and Kenny T uh, and Scott Pierce and myself. But the only TVs for the game were like on the other wall, and you could, it was tough to see them. Sure. And there was no sound. Um, but I, it was great to see those people. Yeah. It was great to see. And it kind of gave me, um, you know, an excuse to get up and leave because I couldn't see the game. Yeah, got to get the second half. Right. Um, but it was, it was fun. And, the, and again, it was just absolutely Adventureland spectators. Got a lot of TVs. Just couldn't change them, <laughs> which fun. was kind of disappointing. No, it was fun. Anyways, we will take our first time out. Scott Dockerman's coming up on uh, Iowa. We'll catch up on uh, on, on the football with uh, with Doc. Austin Ash is leaving the program. Did you see that? I did. Yep. Um, I mean, that was not a sh- that's not a shock, right? He's a true grad transfer. Um, get an opportunity. Uh, We've to- seen a couple of those guys do that. Riley Till. He went out to he went out west. Cal Poly, yeah. right? Which is to be closer to his sister and her brother in law yeah. and his brother in law, right? George Kittle, by the way, right, George Kittle. Yeah. yeah. Um, I bet they probably hooked him up with a pretty nice place to stay. I'm guessing. Yes. <laughs> um, we'll take our time out. We'll come back. Scott Darkerman, Bob Harry wrote a book. Tiger and Phil. Look forward to catching up on that. So Tiger went home after his round last week because they had a tournament happening at Augusta. There was, I think it was like the the young girls tournament that they have for youth. Yeah, it's not it's not the punt, pass, and kick. It's right. the chip, whatever those and putt. Right. Yeah, pitch, chip, and putt, something like that. Uh-huh. And so they had that, so we couldn't practice anymore. So he went home, and he continues to say he's playing. Well, and unless something the, changes, did you see the Masters Twitter account? What they put out last night? No. Well, during the break, go to the Masters Twitter account. Uh-huh. They actually put out like a – they followed him yesterday on the course. So it was all set up. They had everything ready to go when he walked on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. And there's a minute of him practicing yesterday. They're not putting that out if he's not playing. You I mean, you can't so. dangle that carrot. No, no, no. You, I mean, there's no freaking way. Um, no way. <laughs> I don't think he's going to make the cut. I hope he does. I'm just glad he's putting his tee in the ground, That'd right? great. It really and truly is good for sports. Mm-hmm. We will take our time out. I can't believe Biff Hammer. <laughs> I really and truly can't. How are you part of sports media? How are you part of sports media? Thanks, Biff. Uh, what's your name again? Trent. Yeah. Never heard of you. Never heard of you. <laughs> Wild. Miller and Condon. On Des Moines Sports Station, although uh, 106.3. Your baseball life. Now back to Miller and Condon. On 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM, here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. We take you until noon. Bob Herrig, ESPN.com. His book is out, his new book. Uh, Tiger and Phil, we will talk with him coming up here in about 15 minutes. Right now, our friend Scott Dockerman joins us each and every Monday as we talk Iowa, Big Ten, and sports with Doc, and he joins us. Doc Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Scott. How are you? I'm great, guys. How are you? This doing well, doing well. So we are into uh, to fall camp. We will, um, you know, pick your brain obviously on that. In fact, let's start there, Doc, as we are a week into it. I know you've had a chance to listen to Spencer Petrus, and you had uh, one of the Williams running backs, if not both. Of course, Brian Ferentz was last week. Last week, your biggest takeaway from what you heard, obviously, I'm guessing, uh, the Brian Ferentz uh, and the Spencer Petrus storylines are going to dominate right up until uh, September is my assumption. 
Yeah, I think quarterback and uh, and the offense and the passing game are kind of all linked up, and I think that's where we're all looking at for uh, when we get an opportunity to watch them compete live um, in a couple of weeks, and then also just uh, a chance to, you know, I guess pretty much what I learned from this was that it, it's it's going to be an open competition. That's not uh, an issue, but I think a part of it was what I gleaned from Brian Ferentz is that he wants to try to get Joey Labus up to a level where he can compete um, with the other two quarterbacks and then see if he is good enough to, to possibly get into that role. And I think it's going to take all spring for him to even get into that conversation. But I didn't, I didn't think he, uh, Brian Ferentz ruled it out either. Doc, as you look at the the quarterback position, we've gone round and round with Spencer Petras. Really, one of my biggest problems is, in a red jersey, I'm sure he looks great. He can make all the throws, he can do all the things, but when the lights are on and that red jersey turns white or black, he's a different guy. He is not settled in the pocket, he has problems progressing there. Has there been talk about going live, taking that red jersey off during practice? Because ultimately, I'm sure he'll look great, and I'm sure he'll look like the best quarterback, but we see... In games, that's not the case. Any talk of that going live with the quarterback spot, or is it just too important? You can't you can't afford an injury. You never do that, Trent. Ever. Yeah. I mean, you do not allow your quarterback, any quarterback, to get hit. Certainly in this situation where you have one of the best defenses in the country going against one of the worst offenses in the country. Yeah. So it would be a massacre of epic proportions <laughs> yeah. that we have never seen before if you take a red jersey off a quarterback in practice. No, you're right. And the, uh, it wouldn't be worth the pain of having to answer the question if indeed. And on one hand, I get your point, Trent. I do. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, can you imagine Ferentz oh, having to meet yeah. the, the fan base? Even worse, yeah. It really and truly would be even worse. Doc, has there been any update at all on, on season tickets? Because the schedule, as bad as it was, the home schedule last year. I mean, look how shiny this thing is this year. Iowa State and Michigan uh, coming in. Of course, the Nebraska game, the Wisconsin game. This home slate, Doc, should sell itself have you heard anything as far as update on on how it's doing as far as tickets being sold i have not i know that right after the season ended that they started selling those season tickets i haven't really asked it's still pretty early usually we get into that conversation you know probably mid-summer-ish when they start to go with how many tickets sold versus how many they allow in their you know three by three packages and then also their uh um you know, see single mm-hmm. uh, ticket sales. So single we don't really game. get into that very often. But, but yeah, as you said, I mean, as far as a uh, a home, uh, you know, the home schedule is fantastic. I mean, you've got, as you said, Iowa State, which always sells out. You've got Michigan at home. You've got Wisconsin. You've got, um, you know, Northwestern's a good team. Mm-hmm. Nebraska. So yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be lit pretty pretty heavily when it comes to those games. Another big thing that we talk about during the offseason is, of course, TV start times. A year ago, uh, what's going to be the night game? What are we going to get for night games? Home schedule, very good again this year. Is that another one? Once we get through spring practice, you'll start kind of dialing in and, and get ready for those TV start times? Yeah, that one we won't get until probably late May. They're okay. still going through the process. Uh, what we get is the first three weeks. Um, and then right now the, the difference is that, that – Every year we kind of have to go through this. That right now with Fox being the signature rights holder, Fox gets to decide: is this going to be a night game or is this going to be 
their 11 o'clock kick, which their 11 o'clock went just incredibly well last yeah. year. So a game like Iowa-Michigan in the past, you'd say, wow, that's got to be a night kickoff at Kinnick Stadium. Mm. It might be an 11 o'clock kickoff <laughs> at Kinnick Stadium because it's going to get that kind of viewership. So, so games that you would have expected or wanted to see in prime time, just isn't the case. And you might get a, a Northwestern Iowa game in prime time instead, like we did last year over there. I mean, that was clearly not the best game of the week, but that was a game that, that they're going to look at. What you have to look at when you start to kind of project that is, okay, which weekends does um, does Fox have the World Series? Mm-hmm. And then start from there, because then they'll, that's the game, those are the games that are going prime time. And then they'll say, okay, do they still want to have an 11 o'clock? Or do they want to skip that weekend and allow ESPN to pick it up, which then, of course, would put ESPN. Uh, they're, they're much more apt to, to put a, an ABC game in prime time. Scott Docterman from The Athletic is our guest. Doc, was there a, a name or two, regardless of what side of the football, uh, offense or defense, uh, that either Brian Ferentz or, or one of the uh, players uh, brought up uh, that kind of surprised you that they are speaking of, of this person? You know, maybe their role wasn't um, expected to be you know, uh, to the to the extent maybe that it's going to be, uh, just surprised you that uh, that this name was brought up in in uh, context of any of the answers that were given. Any of those names, Doc? I think the most intriguing, and this maybe was more with Kelton Copeland, was uh, Brody Bracht, and because he is trying to juggle two sports at the same time, and yet he's doing such a good job of both competing in baseball and then also in football and practices and film sessions and workouts and what have you, that uh, he's able to keep his head above water and also put himself in a position to where they think he's going to be a contributor. So he is the one name that really kind of surfaced last week. I mean, the, the issue with uh, with Iowa right now, I mean, especially the people we've talked to, is uh, we know who the quarterbacks are. So, uh, you know, nobody's going to surprise anybody right. there. And then, you know, tight end, Abdul Hodge is brand new. He really doesn't know anything about anybody. Uh, to this point, and then I think uh, when you look at wide receivers, you know they've got a, a pretty good uh, quartet returning. So it's a matter of who can kind of knife in there. And there's not a lot of scholarship guys there right now, uh, outside of the four that we know. Scott Doctorman joining us from the Athletic. Another intriguing prospect is Cooper DeGene. You saw him at the high school level just dominate in the small class. He was a man amongst boys out there. Great basketball player. He's dunking on guys at six foot one. Ultimately, what's his spot? Is it cornerback? Is it cash? Is it a move to safety? How do you think this shakes out? And can they get the ball in his hands a little bit, maybe as a return or two? Yeah, I'd like to see him return some kicks, no question. Uh, I think eventually he works his way into the starting lineup somewhere. Now, this year they seem to be pretty solid at corner, but he's good enough to where I think he's going to find a role somewhere. And he's a backup corner, but when you have Riley Moss, Jamari Harris, and uh, and Terry Roberts, that they, I could see him moving to safety, maybe cash this year, and then ultimately starting at corner next year uh, when when Riley goes to the NFL and and Terry Roberts, uh, you know, his, his eligibility expires. But I, I think when you, I know looking at him just brief in our in our few minutes of, of looking at practice, when you see him and Xavier and Mappa side by side and it's like okay these guys get it these guys are special and i mean cooper DeGene is you know everybody's made the comparison with tyler sash but he's faster than tyler sash so i i think this is uh if those two were lined up say free safety strong safety in whatever order you got 
Um, that, that's an NFL combo, and it's probably the best that Iowa's ever had. And that includes – now, Bob Sanders may be better than all of them, but, you know, he, he and, and Sean Constantine made one hell of a combo back I'll in the say. day. Yeah, they sure, they sure did. Doc, did you get uh, – you haven't had Phil Parker yet, right? Correct? Yeah, he's Wednesday. Wednesday, good stuff. Well, I'm anxious to pick your brain on the defensive side of the ball. You hear anything on Womp at all? Well, we just watched him. Um, I watched him pretty closely, actually, in that day. And, and he's still trying to kind of, again, keep his head above water. He just started out there. But, I, I mean, he looks the part, no question. He's just got that, the, the size, the, the feel. I mean, <laughs> I kind of look. Chad Leistico and I kind of laughed and looked at each other and went, wow, look at this guy. And I go, yeah, I usually see guys like this in scarlet and gray, not, you know, black and gold. <laughs> right. so, uh, he just, uh, you know, I don't know if that means he's going to start this year, get some rotational time, whatever, but there's no question that his athletic ability tips the field, even among some of the best uh, defenders in the country. Uh, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic Doc, anything you want to highlight you've got coming up this week? Yeah, it's pretty much a draft-heavy week. Uh, I've been doing this uh, kind of project with two guys that are uh, slated right now not to be drafted but could be late, uh, and it ended up being two safeties from in-state, Jack Kerner and Mm -hmm. Greg Eisworth. And so I've spent some time with both of them and going over their story. So I'm just kind of wrapping that up, and we don't have a date yet when that's going to run, but it's been very enjoyable getting to know both of them very, you know, much closer and, I think you know somebody's going to be very happy whether they end up drafted or uh, free agents. But uh, it's kind of their journey to the NFL, despite not being able to go to the combine. Well, the athletic, and they just brought another couple of writers on. You guys are all over this draft. Just real quick, one more thing, because I know you wrote about the Iowa guys that are eligible. Is the shooter going to get drafted? Kyler Shot? I mean, is he a long shot, Doc? Uh, Kyler Shot? Um, I don't think he'll get drafted. I mean, I think it's six, six, six foot, one, six right? One. right? Yeah, yeah. That that's just not going to get you drafted i think at iowa you've got three that i feel good about that are going to get drafted and maybe two to three more that have an outside chance and obviously linderbaum i think he's a first rounder and then you look at dane belton being number two probably tyler goodson and then maybe a zach falkenberg jack kerner or a matt hankins um i think those could be the the six that got a chance i think iowa state will probably have more draft picks than iowa this year i think Brees hall could be a borderline first Yep. Just depends if somebody likes him. Um, Charlie Kohler, of course. I think uh, Wazarike is going to be higher. Is going to be sought higher than what people think because he can play so many different positions along the line of scrimmage. And it's it's a three four league in a lot of cases. It's certainly a sub package league. So he can you know play the five, play you know technique, play four, play you know right over the guard, all those types of things. So I think he's going to be highly sought. And people don't really kind of, I think he's kind of underrated at this point. And it'll be a UNI Panther that's the first from our state to hear his name <laughs> called in Penning. Good stuff, Scott Dockerman. We'll speak with you next Monday. Who you like tonight? Um, I'm going Kansas. Kansas. I think it's uh, KU's going to win. Good stuff. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Scott Dockerman from the Athletics. We catch up on Iowa in the Big Ten. I will take a time out. Bob Herrig, long time, ESPN.com now at SI. He will join us. Wrote a book, Tiger and Phil. He's next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Well, 
It is Masters Week. What a uh, perfect timing. Tiger and Phil, the book by Bob Herrick. Uh, if you follow the game of golf, you've been no doubt over the years uh, read Bob Herrick at ESPN.com, now at SI.com. His book, it's available everywhere, will be Amazon.com, Barnes & Nobles, wherever you buy your books. Tiger and Phil uh, and Bob joins us. Uh, Bob, uh, Trent Condon, my name is Ken Miller. Thanks for coming on, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it. No, we appreciate you coming on. We know that uh, you're on the ground at Augusta or in the area if you're headed to the course at some point today. Now, you can't be on the course because no cell phones allowed, so we, <laughs> we trust you're not breaking rules. So let's start the uh, the book. Um, what was When did the idea pop in your head? Such a great rivalry. It's been great for the game. Uh, it's brought uh, people to eyeballs to television sets. You took a side, right? You were a Tiger guy or gal or a Phil guy or gal. What 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 made you decide that now is the time to write it? I think it uh, it sort of it generated around the time after Tiger won the Masters in 2019. Um, it just sort of felt like uh, you know this this might be sort of towards the end for both, and it seemed a good time to tie the two of them together. And I was somewhat surprised that. You know, it really hadn't been tackled in much detail before. And, uh, you know, as I started researching it to actually come up with, you know, how I'd want to approach this, I, I really found that there was a, a big intersection in their careers, even though their records aren't the same. You know, Tiger clearly has the way better record. And there probably weren't the head-to-heads that we would have liked to have had. But there were more than you think. And their careers go all the way back to when they were kids, and they were both excellent players as juniors. Uh, you know, I, I like to say Phil was Tiger before Tiger mm-hmm. and and was incredible at that age. In fact, you could make the argument, not knowing what they've done, that if you just sized up their records back then before they turned pro, Phil, Phil might have been the better pro. You know, he won a tour event as an amateur, the last player to do so. Tiger, Tiger never came close to doing that. And then, you know, Tiger got off to the big lead. You know, he passed Phil, it seemed like, in a minute once he turned pro. And, and then they sort of stabilized in the 2000s. And, uh, uh, you know, Phil Phil gave Tiger fits at times. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, they look, they got on each other's nerves. There were some, a few little spats here and there. It was, um, you know, and all the way through to now. I mean, I've been telling people, you know, hey, I wish I had another six months because the last the last six months, I, I could have added to it what's been going on. Oh, great point. It's an incredible story and a rivalry. You know, so many of these rivalries are not real rivalries. They're media-made. This one, it was different. So how did it get as toxic as it did? Tiger you know, going out there and doing different things. Same thing with Phil. We're talking about the inferior equipment that he's playing with when he went to the Nike clubs and on and on. How did it get so ugly between these two guys? You know, I, I have to be honest. I'm not sure it was ever ugly. It was just uncomfortable. It was, it was just there was tension. There was, you know, kind of little maybe some immature cat fighting that went on. There was, you know, digs here and there. You know, and actually the thing you mentioned there with Phil. You know, what's funny about that was is you could have taken that, and I think Phil meant it as a backhanded compliment. You know, Tiger is playing with inferior equipment, and of course, everybody took that to mean he was dissing Nike at the time, <laughs> which there was a sense that maybe that equipment wasn't as good. But, you know, Tiger was winning, and he was winning a lot, but what Phil was more referencing was that Tiger had 
um, chosen not to upgrade his equipment at that time. You know, a lot of guys were going to a longer shaft driver. A lot of them were going to the bigger-headed drivers in fairway woods, and Tiger resisted that. He stuck with what was working for him. And, you know, Phil made the comment, look, you know, he's, he's, he's doing all this with inferior equipment, and then, you know, he threw in the dig. He hates that I'm hitting it by him now. <laughs> and, of course, you know, Tiger wasn't going to take kindly to that. And, no, and, and Tiger was going to, whether Phil meant it or not, Tiger was going to use, the, use the, um, the, the slight to his advantage. He was going to use it as, as, as fuel. And he, he didn't mind that if, if Phil didn't mean it that way, he didn't mind if people thought that that's how he, he did. He was going to let him dangle out there a little bit and have to live with it because that's, he just, you know, he wasn't going to let him get close. He wasn't going to let him off the hook. And any advantage he could find, he was going to try to get. Uh, Tiger and Phil is the book. Bob Herrig is the author. He joins Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Bob, there was a period of time, um, or mid-aughts, I think that's what we call the first decade, yeah. right? When they were taking turns putting <laughs> right. the green jacket on each other, the traditional you know, jacket uh, passing uh, in the Butler cabin, the last year's champion, etc. Was that awkward for either one of them? You know, I think they did it with gritted teeth. Um, I, you know, they they never showed it. Um, they they showed nothing but appreciation for the other guy in that moment. Uh, and look, let's be honest. I think they're both smart enough to know right. that show, showing any kind of sour grapes in that moment uh, would have been difficult. But you know, as I sort of recount in there. You know, when, when Tiger was given Phil the jacket in 06, that one stung because he dearly, dearly wanted that one. He knew that his dad was dying. Mm. Uh, in fact, his dad passed away about a month later. And, um, you know, I, I believe Phil or Tiger finished second in 06, or he was right there, and he just didn't quite get it done, and Phil did. And, you know, it, it bugged him that he didn't win, and it bugged him even more that it was Phil that beat him. You know, and, and up until, obviously, 2004 when Phil won his first Masters, um, you know, Phil was struggling to win majors, and Tiger had an 8 to nothing lead, and, and, and he might have looked down his, nose, down his nose at Phil a little bit, wondering why he wasn't getting it done. Uh, and then Phil started to figure it out, and, and, and there's four majors in there that Phil won in which Tiger was in contention, you know. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the 15 he has. Well, there's four right there that he might have, that he might have uh, had a shot at and didn't win, and there was Phil in his way. So um, that, that to me, was a good example of, yeah, he put the jacket on him, and he was all smiles, but deep down he was, he was annoyed. Tiger and Phil, that's the name of the book. Very simply, Bob Herrick, the author, joining us here. Bob, uh, let's jump to the here and now, and it's Masters Week. Tiger looks like he's going to give it a shot. Phil, not so much. So you mentioned the last six months and how much more could have gone into the book. How about this week, the build-up to the Masters, Tiger giving it a shot, and, and Phil not being there. How you see this rivalry as we come to this week? I mean, it's completely reversed from where we thought it would have been, say, just as recently as two months ago, six mm-hmm. weeks ago. Right. I mean, you know, Phil's healthy. He's, he, that's been the hallmark of his career, actually, that he's never really been hurt. He hasn't missed the Masters since 1994, and he missed the Masters in 94 because he had a skiing accident in that spring. 
I mean, you know, he's, 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 he's never, you know, he's missed a few majors due to family obligations, never, never because he was himself injured. And of course, two months ago, we're thinking, oh, there's no way Tiger's going to be back in time for the Masters. I mean, look, I'm, and I'm fully out there saying it. I, I was one of those who thought there was no chance. And I think there was a lot of people that were hopeful when they, when they saw him play in, in December. Uh, with his son, and, and I just thought, no way. I watched him play then, too, and I saw what a labor it was just to get around the cart. Hmm. So to be to this point where he's even going to try, I think it's just remarkable, and I don't think he would do it for any other tournament, frankly. You know, I, I, if, if he weren't to play here, I don't think it's not like he's ready to play next week or the week after. He's, he's uh, And we might not see him again after this for a long time. Interesting. Uh, so, but, but as far as their rivalry, you know, it's funny. I mean, Phil had this this glorious win at the PGA last year, and it was looking like he was going to have the last hmm. laugh, so to speak. And now it might be Tiger. I'm not even saying Tiger is going to win. I'm just saying that him, just him coming back is a victory in itself, which will be celebrated. Yeah, no doubt about that. In our final minute with you here, Bob, we want to save 30 seconds or so to promote the book and where you can get it. Um, age does a, has, has a way of, of, of healing wounds, right? You see competitors, whatever sport, guys that just battle each other, uh, through their careers. And when it's over, they, you know, break bread or they, um, we, we, they realize what each meant to each other as far as the success that they've had and made them part of their careers, uh, as successful was, as it was. We did see that made for television event a couple of years ago that Phil got the better of them. Do you think there'll be a time later in life where these guys, not best friends, uh, but, uh, but really appreciate what each did for the other? I don't think there's any question that there will be an appreciation. Whether there's a closeness, I'm not sure that will happen. Um, a lot depends, I think, on how Phil emerges from, you know, this kind of controversy that he's still in the middle of, mm. you know, that he's not emerged from. How does he come out of that? How does how that go? Because I think that will impact that. Uh, you know, they're on different sides of that issue. You know, that's why I was, you know, joking earlier about having, I wish I had more time because Tiger is on the tour side and he made that very clear. Phil made it clear that he was upset with the thing, the way that tour was handling things. And he went so far as actually to explore other options and to maybe even, you know, get in concert with them to, to get their new league off the ground. So, um, you know, I, it, it remains to be seen how that will play out. I mean, I fully expected that they were each going to be Ryder Cup captains and they would assist each other. Mm. Is that in peril now? I mean, uh, you know, I actually think there's a little bit more to be written about these guys. Good stuff. Hey, Bob, let's uh, 30 seconds, Amazon.com. Uh, tell us about the book, when it's available, etc. And I think Father's Day, well, it's June, but uh, never too early. Yeah, it's actually available for pre-sale now, uh, you know, to order it. But it's, it's the, the actual pub date is April 26th. So it's going to be starting to trickle into bookstores here pretty soon. And the official date is the 26th, which is why they're pushing the pre-sales, because then you'll have it right after the Masters. Good stuff. Bob Herrick, SI.com, the book Tiger Phil, available 26th of April, pre-sale now. Bob, enjoy the Masters. Uh, thanks for uh, what you've done over the years. It's uh, been a pleasure to read you. Thank you, Bob Herrick. Thanks a lot for having me. Be well. Yep, take care. Bob Herrick, uh, from Augusta's, we get set for Masters Week. Uh, off to New Orleans next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.